In a world full of cancel culture, greenwashing and the climate scaries, we can sometimes be too scared to ask the controversial sustainability questions in fear of being called out. But what if we could normalise not knowing? Zara Seidler is one half of The Daily Oz, Australia's leading social-first news service. Zara began her political journey in 2015, doing the hard slog of early morning Sky News shifts as a liaison producer. Then, at the young age of 22, Seidler became a political advisor to the highly respected, then-independent federal crossbencher, Dr. Karen Phelps. A few years later, Zara was asked by a friend what important world news topics they should talk about on their date. It was this aha moment between her and her best friend, Sam Kozlowski, that gave birth to TDA, a social first news platform that would provide everyday Australians digestible and accessible news information. We love chatting to Zara about the intersection between news and politics and how she manages to have healthy political debates with her 96-year-old grandma. Enjoy. Welcome. I was about to say welcome, Queen welcome. Zara. <laughs> Queen Zara. So she says welcome. Yeah. No, I haven't. But now I'll give it. How do you how do you say that word? Welcome. Yeah. Yeah, but you're South African. It's it, like it, a it is South African, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like a. They didn't realize, and then we started filming all these content series, and I'm like, and welcome. people just like picking and apart like, the way welcome. that you say. Yeah, I'm like, Shh. welcome. Welcome. Welcome to Normalize Not Knowing. <laughs> Stunning. So basically at the beginning of every episode, we mm-hmm. ask two questions. Mm-hmm. And the first question is, what is something that you do in your life that is a sustainable decision? Oh, that's a great question. I yeah. think that um, the thing that I do in my life that is a sustainable decision is that I actively try and spread information to others that will help them make really sustainable decisions. Mm. And so I'm always in this tension between personal decision making and the effect that like the person can have versus the, you know, systems. And so I think that by contributing to other people knowing about what's out there and how they can be doing things themselves, that's one of the decisions I take every day. It's a I think that um, I'm on a journey of moving away from fast fashion that is taking mm. me longer than I would have liked. Mm-hmm. I am not someone that shops or cares about shopping and therefore I always go for ease. Yeah. And I've been trying to move away slowly um, mm. from that because the most accessible thing isn't mm-hmm. the best and thing affordable. for the environment. Exactly. Um, and when you're time poor, you just do the things that are easy. So I'm trying to move away, but I admit that it's not going as well as it should be. Mm. Um, but work in progress. There's a friend of mine, um, her name is Grace Forrest, mm. and she does remarkable work in this area, not just the environmental credentials, but in the kind of realm of modern slavery, like who is making your clothes, how are mm. they being forced to make them. Um, and so those are the things that I'm starting to think about when shopping. Yeah. Um, but would be a complete lie to say that I'm all the way there. So mm. work in progress. Mm. You know what two tips that we got from Sarah Hansen Young on this topic was? Yeah. We were talking about this mm. recently with her. She said either shopping secondhand is a really mm. good way to do that because you can still get 
a mix, a variety of brands that mm. you might love, but you know they haven't given them a second purpose. Or she had a really cool rental service that yeah. she uses. Love because that. You are, you know, so incredible. Have this epic creator constantly moderating, speaking at so many events. Like we are obviously huge fans. But so does she, right? So she yeah. goes, I can't afford to go buy a new outfit every time. Mm. And it would be so nice. 100%. Expensive. I love that. And my only thing with that is that you have to be really organized. And so perhaps yeah. I need to do two things at once, which is work on my organizational skills and as a result, know that I have events coming up and that I need to rent. Perfect. Genius. Or you can do what I do and just wear the same thing every over and over day. again. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, Here is the same suit yeah. that I have worn a number yeah. of times. Yeah, exactly. We were saying this, I think I mentioned this in the last part, but my friends and I do a bit of a sharing service. Mm. So we just like, you know, anyone's clothes are anybody's. <laughs> like, yeah. I go to my friend's house and I'm like, what should I wear today? It's the best. Um, way to it's do the it. best. Some people, yeah. I don't know. I feel like maybe some people are like a bit weird about that, but, but we're not. And it's like the best thing ever because then you just like shared trip, wardrobe. Shared yeah. wardrobe. Like, I have three closets. I've never had. And yeah. So exactly. To it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe shared outfits at TDN. I mean, yeah. my colleague Tara is sitting here and I have worn her dresses to weddings. Um, oh, by virtue of the fact that I turn up to this city and have nothing to wear, yeah. and she very much services me. <laughs> there you go. Um, okay, and so would you say that you exist in a group of, like in a circle of friends that are climate conscious or that care about sustainability? Yeah, 100%. I'm thinking specifically of two of my best friends who have completely transform the way that their households run mm. um, and also the way that they talk to us about, mm. you know, sustainable practices. Um, I have one friend whose partner has been resistant to the change, having to, you know, know which things to put in the compost bin and whatever else, but he's coming around mm. to it. Um, but I think that is definitely something that is defining in my group of friends and I think Specifically, those two friends have done a lot to share it with the rest of us. Yeah. You might not be there. Yeah, it's really great. I was going to say, out of curiosity, do they approach it in a way that makes it accessible for your friends? Or do you think yeah. other friends not are like, shaming. yeah, not shaming in any no, way? No, I think they do. And I think, I mean, it's interesting because oftentimes climate-related action is thought of as political mm. um, and these two friends are not overly political mm. at all. Like they are just really so conscious. Yeah, they're really conscious about the earth and mm. what they're doing to it. Um, and so I think just even stripping away the politicisation of it has meant that like the rest of us can all buy in yeah. and, and feel like yeah. we're part of it. I love that. Mm. Okay, so the boyfriends that may have taken longer. Mm. Do you find that, like, how do you guys approach any, like, climate deniers mm. in your circle or even just family members? I mean, <laughs> I, I think that um, they're fewer and far apart now than they were in the past. Um, but I think we and I approach climate denialism as I do with anything, any political belief necessarily that I don't agree with because I have strong beliefs. It, I work in news and I work in politics. Uh, well, I have worked in politics. And I think that the only way that you can bring people on side is by debating, bringing them into mm. the conversation and not isolating them, not just shutting them down, refusing to have a conversation. There is absolutely no merit to that. Um, you will not bring people around that way. And so, you know, my 94-year-old grandmother and I agree on <laughs> approximately nothing. Um, and we spend an hour every week talking about the fact that we agree on nothing yeah. and wow. we love each other completely and nothing will ever change that. But we get to have these really rich conversations where Incredible. I get to hear about why she thinks the way she does 
and she's lived through world wars and you know what she's entitled to have a different opinion um, so I think it's just about meeting people where they're at understanding why they've come to those beliefs and seeing if you can reach a middle ground between the two Wait, so you, your grandma's 94 and yeah. still debating and having conversations? Oh, absolutely. Oh like, she calls me God. over. She's so like, so I'd so like so to so talk so about so this. <laughs> I saw this in the news and I don't wow. agree with it. Um, yeah. <laughs> She's Hello, it's me, Oma. Um, she is. She is. So <gasps> that I is incredible. One of the things when TDA started was that I found it really difficult to explain to people who weren't on social media what it was. Um, and in my head, it was like, how can I explain it to my Oma so that she understands it? Mm. Um, because I think that is the level of accessibility that we're really trying to yeah. have. And I think over the years, we've gotten there. I think it took a few media appearances in the media that she consumes for her to fully mm. understand it. Um, but, yeah, she's fully on board and she loves the idea that more people are having debates around a kitchen table, you know, about yeah. these topics. Um, because she said her friends just want to play cards. They don't want to talk about politics, which... Fair no, enough. 94? You're still kicking? Exactly. Fair enough. You just okay. play cards. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, mean, I can't think the amount of times that my fiancé and I's TDA posted that day. <laughs> yeah. Love that. We debate about them. Love like, it. All the yeah. time. Connor always sends me. He's like, have you seen this? But that's the whole point. We, we always, yeah, we always, when starting TDA and every day since, we're not trying to tell people what to think. We're yeah. trying to give them that foundation of knowledge so that they can go out and have those discussions. Yeah. So that, you know, they can form their own opinions. We're not telling them what they are, but yeah. they feel comfortable knowing they have the facts. And yeah. That's yeah. important to I us. I love reading the variety of comments. Are you guys speaking Yeah. Today? Yeah. Are you guys ever, I don't know, concerned posting things that have a very strong climate view? Mm. Or do you find that the community that you've built are really receptive of learning and listening? Yeah. I think that... For the majority, they are very receptive. What I would add, though, is I think there's a lot of fatigue. Mm. Um, I think that before the last election especially, there was a lot of talk about climate exactly. and everyone cared and everyone kind of voted on okay. climate. Yeah, mm. and that that was a really big change. Um, and I think that now we know all the facts. We know that, you know, things need to change. And I think that sometimes it can feel disempowering when you don't have the tools to know what to do to change that. And you're not going to necessarily find that from the news. And so mm. I think there's quite a bit of fatigue that we're working through. Um, and so on us, that's a really important thing for how can we continue to communicate this because mm. it is as important as it ever has been mm -hmm. in a way that will resonate with people that are just exhausted. Um, so yeah. that's something that we're working through and that's just about finding new ways to reach people and ways to, you know, bring a different lens to mm. an otherwise pretty shitty situation. I know, because we often, we often find the same thing as well. Like when you think about climate, I feel like the majority of the news story is not TDA, just mm. outside of TDA, mm. a doomsday. Yeah, absolutely. It's very depressing. It yep. can be very overwhelming. Like sometimes I read stuff and I get really yeah. agitated yeah. and overwhelmed. Yeah. Rightly so. Absolutely. Um, but I'm like, well, where are the positive stories of the people that are doing good? Good things. The people that are innovating, the people that have great solutions, or even just wins all mm -hmm. around. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I'm like, I feel like that's often lacking in the news. Definitely. What, what do you guys think is your approach and like the balance of good news mm. and bad news? Such you, a good... You do both. Yeah, we do. And it is so front of mind for us mm -hmm. um, because we want to remove all the barriers that people, you know talk to us about about not reading the news. So mm -hmm. one of them is it's honestly just too depressing. Like I can't deal with it in my day. I just 
it's too much. So our answer to that was that when we started, the fifth story of every single morning was a good news story. Mm. And that was just a way, you know, to add that that your relationship with the news was always going to end in a positive way. And, like, to be honest, it's sometimes really hard to find those good news stories. It can be really difficult. A lot of them come from the climate space because we have necessitated so much innovation in such a short period of time that, like, people are doing the coolest stuff. And, like, it's such a good opportunity to highlight that. Um, So we always try and have a good news. And I also think it's about light and shade, like where you can lean into the lighter Mm. stuff that is still kind of newsworthy. Mm. I think we should absolutely be doing that. And Mm. your kind of consumption diet needs to have lots of different things in it. It can't just be the really heavy climate, you know, the world's ending. It needs to also be, but, hey, look at this amazing young person who's leading this charge and doing this great thing. Mm -hmm. So it has to be a, yeah, balance of both. But out of curiosity, do you find it difficult? Because you said, obviously, climate discussions and opinions, like they're inherently politicised. And you've probably got your own personal beliefs and values Mm. on this topic do you find it difficult then to try and report on it in a way that's fair and truthful without having your own opinions kind of be at the forefront Hmm. of that? Climate less so than other things because I think we're at the stage now where there's a really interesting concept in news called false balance Mm -hmm. and it's when you present two things as equal when they're actually not. So, for example, this happens in climate a lot because you can present something you know, the climate science, but then say, but on the other hand, this one person says this Mm. and it's against climate change. And so, sorry, it is about climate denialism and then you present them as equally weighted, but that's not true. The whole scientific community believes one thing. This one person thinking something else doesn't. Um, And so we as an organisation, I mean, the fact that we make good news stories about climate action means that we have taken a position per se on that and I'm very comfortable with that because that reflects the community that we are serving which is that we accept the science we are not debating the science Mm. and we are moving on now with a solutions focused thing Mm. and so I mean the kind of political stuff all just comes with how that response looks not necessarily about the science itself so it's fairly straightforward I think on that front not so much on others. Yeah. <laughs> what about when you're going to events and media? Because mm. I feel like you speak mm. so mm. well and we've had the luxury of seeing you talk a few times. But do you ever moderate or listen to someone on a panel and you just want to say, you're mm-hmm. so full of baloney. Mm-hmm. <laughs> baloney. I find it so hard. hard. Um, I find it even harder when I'm doing commentary yeah. on news items. So I'll sometimes do TV commentary or whatever it is. And I've just decided, it's been a very active thing, that there are going to be two Zaras. There's going to be the Zara that holds her beliefs that, you know, the Zara that presents to her friends and family. And then there is a professional Zara. And that professional Zara withholds those opinions, you know, can create analysis, but isn't the person driving the conversation, Mm. just, you know, reflecting on it. And it's been really hard to build those two things because yeah, like, it's abnormal to have yeah. two versions of yourself. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think that is the only way that I can still feel like I have conviction and that my beliefs are still my beliefs in a way that doesn't impact my business and everyone that works with me who might not agree with me and yeah. nor should they. Yeah. Um, and so that's the way that I'm trying to navigate. It's like, oh, today 
I am being this this one. (laughs) Zara A, Zara B. (laughs) What about in the office? Do you guys have like lots of healthy debates between the team on what's right and wrong to post, what's right and wrong to write about? Yes, we absolutely do. Mm -hmm. And I think that that just comes from a a variety of perspectives that we have. You know, we have all different ages, we have different backgrounds, and you will come to an issue differently Mm -hmm. when you have lived differently. And so, um, you know... That can happen within the editorial team, but it can also happen, you know, about commercial decisions that might impact editorial Mm. and vice versa. And so there's always just this negotiation of where we land and everything is very considered. And I think that is such an excellent space to be in where there's that contest of ideas and not just this, like, blind acceptance. Acceptance, yeah. Yeah. And when it comes to commercial decisions, actually... Have you guys ever turned down brand partnerships and alignments based off just... I don't know, not being on brand for TV, yes. kind of not hitting your personal beliefs. Many, yeah. many. Um, Sorry, guys. It's, there have been, um, I mean, I wouldn't know off the top of my head the percentage, but a pretty pretty high percentage that we turn down um, because the most important thing to us is trust. Yeah. And when we position a sponsor alongside us, that trust is paramount. Mm. And... Not worth it. Yeah. Not worth it if it's not a good brand alignment. And, you know, many brands will come to us wanting to reposition themselves as, you know, listening to the youth, but we need to be able to see through that and see and understand what their values are. And so Tara, our head of partnerships, will often bring partners to us and we will go through them and go through the merits um, of, you know, what they're doing. But, it, you know, greenwashing, the like, there is so much to look out for that we need to be really across who we are partnering with and what sort of commercial decisions we're making. So Mm. if Sheen came to you tomorrow and asked you about a million dollars for a post, you'd say no. I think we'd be saying no. I think that's a pretty straightforward one. In terms of like having those hard conversations we obviously spoke about, there's those conversations you have with climate deniers. Mm. On the opposite side of that, have you ever had conversations with friends who are strong climate activists who are like, Sarah, you believe in the science, you believe in climate change. Why aren't you vegetarian? I'm assuming you're, you are not. If you are, please let me know. I am not. I am too picky of an eater. Yeah. Um, and what is your response to that? Yeah, it's a great question. I don't think that that's necessarily happened in my group of friends because mm-hmm. of what I said before, that like they don't – enforce it upon others as much as try to educate that's great um but i mean on panels and and just Mm. in different professional settings like that happens all the time Mm. um and i think of it in it's a really weird way really weird way to think of it but i think of it like religion in that you can say that you are associated with a religion Mm -hmm. even if you don't associate with every single tradition that needs to be followed follow every rule exactly like you are meant to do the things that resonate with you and that work for you in order to you know create that relationship to that religion and i think the same can be said for for climate action that it needs to be a work in progress nothing can be done overnight Mm -hmm. and i think it's the same as the same argument that you'd use with climate deniers that you need to be bringing people along Mm -hmm. and that if you are talking down to people that are not where you are at that is not helping anybody Mm -hmm. that is not helping the earth because those people will begin to resent Mm -hmm. the arguments that you're putting forward um and i guess that's just how i'd respond to anyone and i think that we're all doing the best we can Mm -hmm. um and there needs to be an acknowledgement of that no Mm -hmm. we agree we don't think there is such thing as 
perfectly no way. so it's like don't have a polarizing view and just pick the things that you can do exactly exactly yeah yeah exactly yeah okay oh. we're gonna play fun game <laughs> ready fun, fun game. <laughs> we love to do word association oh we're mm. gonna throw out some words at you and you just let us know the first thing that pops into oh this could be dangerous <laughs> <laughs> i'm scared <laughs> You should be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm terrified. Being like, no, don't have fun. Okay, okay. You want to hear us Yeah, first word. Greenwashing. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm not meant to be thinking, right? I'm no, just meant to be. It's okay. okay. It's not the right answer. It's just yeah. performative. Nice. Yeah. And I think that that is a lot of that is the pressure that we're putting on certain you know sex of society to be and do and i think that the results of that can be some performative climate action mm. that is a great word all right let's do another one what about fast fashion in honor of what you said before everywhere yeah, yeah. inescapable <laughs> absolutely everywhere yeah. uh, and really difficult to ignore yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I'm, I, I'm still a sucker to do it. Definitely. I've got a mixed view on it. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. another time. <laughs> That's not what we're <laughs> More than one word. <laughs> Sustainability. Progress. Mm. Yeah, I know. I felt like I had to like really yeah, have some optimism there. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what about politics? My love. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ollie. Um, yeah, I think that uh, no one else in the whole world would answer that. Um, but uh, politics is the thing that I just so deeply care about, yeah. you know, more than a lot of things. And so to me it is a sign of progress. It is a sign of what can happen and um, gets a bad rap, rightly so, but there's lots of good being done in that space. Agreed. Yeah. Actually, just a deviated question. <laughs> For any young people that might be listening that mm. maybe find it hard to engage in political conversations mm. or don't know where to start mm. or don't know who to vote for and all that kind of stuff, where would you, what would you say to them as a recommendation just to kind of even start their journey into it? Into being interested. It is a brilliant question, and we have written a book that, will, that um, is coming out later this okay. year. That is that um, really? is trying to answer all those questions. It, oh, it's amazing! Trying to, it, the problem is that oftentimes um, people haven't learnt yeah. the kind of context that they need to know in order to have the conversations. And so, what we really want to do is just make sure everyone's on even footing, mm. and that you feel like you have the tools to start having those conversations, to understand how our political system works, how our climate works, how our economy works, and then you feel equipped to go mm. out and start those conversations. So, um, yeah, little self-plug, that's what I'd say Amazing. is a good starting point. If you're interested in that, we just tell people to sign up to the TDA newsletter if you're not already. Yes. Yeah. If you're not already. Yeah. If you're not already, goodness. <laughs> what the hell? Wait, sorry, so when's the book coming out, can you say? Um, it's coming out in September. Oh. Yes. Great, news. very exciting. <laughs> I want to read it for the recap. To ref- it's good refresh. It is, yeah, well. it is. And like, even while writing it, I was like, huh, forgot about that. Mm, so that's awesome. Yeah, good for everyone. Great. Okay, we've got two more words. Sheen. Trash. Yeah. 
<laughs> I actually saw, um, now they'll never work with us. Um, I actually yeah. saw that they had a big party in Sydney, um, recently, a big launch party for something. Who and I, yeah, and I was so shocked because I think that sometimes I can live in a bubble. Yeah. Um, and feel like everyone is kind of on the same on page the same when page. it comes to I'm things like that. Bubble, um, it was a very well populated event. <gasps> and with, no yeah, way. And I was quite so shocked. I feel like that is actually so surprising. Yeah. Because I think yeah. it's yeah. fast fashion, like, you know, Zara, et cetera. But yeah. Shame. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Things. They are. Wow. They are. Um, so I thought that was interesting. And in Australia. In Australia, I know, I know. There you go. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty shocked by that. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. What about change of change of pace? What about skincare? Conserving beauty. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many guests didn't say <laughs> conserving beauty. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, a competitor. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yay! That's, okay. that's, that's it. Yeah. Thank you. Now let's take it to Green Senator Sarah Hansen Young, who is Normalize Not Knowing's resident sustainability expert. We did a round of rapid fire questions where Sarah debunks sustainability misconceptions. What can we do as individuals to create a more sustainable future? Well, I think it's lots of things we can do. The decisions we make about the products we buy, uh, what type of transport options we take, um, whether we really need that extra uh, car in the, in, the, in the driveway or that extra pair of shoes or that new dress. Fashion in particular is a real driver of the climate crisis and pollution. Um, mm. But also... You know, Making those changes in uh, what politicians and, and political parties uh, we support and what issues we talk about with our friends and our work colleagues. Um, lifting the level of attention of these issues mm. is one of the best things you can do. Normalising uh, action for the environment and, and climate change. Normalising the fact that you want to, you want to live a life that's more sustainable. Um, it's cheaper, it's better for the planet uh, and it makes you feel good. Well said. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Okay, so how can we keep our politicians accountable for making better policies and decisions for the future of our planet? Ooh, this, does this feel personal to you? <laughs> I know that's a pretty personal question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> look, I think, um, I think one of the key things to do is to really um, listen to the words that politicians use and hold them to account. And there is lots of promises that are made, but are they actually following through with the policies? Um, each election we hear political parties make promises. Um, are they actually delivering on that? What, what, what are the priorities of, of the politicians and the political parties? Because, um, if we want to tackle the climate crisis, if we want to make sure we protect our environment and look after our wildlife, um, that actually takes direct and real action from the government. And that comes at a cost, of course, uh, but it's about prioritising that. So when you think about holding politicians accountable, I think you've got to look at all the other decisions they're making and are they prioritising uh, climate action? Are they prioritising the environment? Are they prioritising... Uh, making sure Australia is cleaner and greener. Mm. Well, that's interesting because the third question, I guess, is very closely linked. And it was, does it matter who I vote for if I want to prioritise the environment? Yes, it absolutely does. And um, I would say to everybody, you know, 
get out there and vote green if you care about uh, the environment and the planet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but interestingly, uh, a third of Australians at the last election voted for a candidate that had uh, climate as a priority, and that included the Greens, but it also included a bunch of independents. So there is a growing group of voters in our community who want uh, more green policies from our parliamentarians, and politicians are responding. So um, that's the main thing. Look at their policies, listen uh, to the, the, what, what they're prioritising and make sure that when they're talking about uh, climate and environment, it's about stopping the bad stuff. Because often we hear about, you know, building renewable energy and, you know, doing this and doing that, but are they really stopping the things that um, are actually making climate change worse and wrecking havoc on our environment? And the 101 of that, of course, is fossil fuels. Political parties who continue to support the expansion of uh, coal, oil and gas, it's hard to say that they've got credible environment policies. Yeah, definitely. And actually, just one follow-on question. For anybody that's curious about learning more about the different political parties and trying to educate themselves on what everybody's doing, do you have any tips? Well, one of the really good um, things that that's out there in the public domain about uh, people's policies and where it lines up with... Um, uh, you know, general voters' views is the ABC Vote Compass. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but it's yeah. a fantastic survey and it goes through all these different issues. And some and some people are often surprised at where they land, which political parties actually end up uh, being the ones that support and are most tightly aligned with with an individual's values. So I'd say get on the ABC and and get on the Vote Compass. Perfect. I did it last election with my fiance, and we actually got really similar outcomes. And not surprised, but equally, some things we were surprised. Right. Great tip. Thank you, Sarah.